There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Los Angeles CityCast with Danielle Alvari, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome in to your Wednesday edition of the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. I'm your host, Danielle Alvari. Very excited because it's officially March, which means March Madness is right around the corner and lots of conference tournaments are coming up, including the Women's Pac-12 Basketball Championship. That starts on Wednesday if you're listening today. Uh, and round one for UCLA, by the way, just happens to be against USC, 6 p.m. Pacific time on Wednesday for the women's tournament. The men's team for UCLA will also wrap up their regular season versus USC on Saturday in Poly Pavilion. So you know we'll talk about that on Friday's show. We'll get into it a little bit on today's show. In fact, in today's show, first, we're going to talk all college basketball. So yes, we're going to get into the women's Pac-12 tournament a little bit to start. Uh, then we'll look at where UCLA and USC are at for the men's side of things as they head into that Saturday final regular season matchup, that crosstown rivalry game in Poly Pavilion this time. Then Lakers and Clippers talk. Both played Tuesday night. The Lakers lost, the Clippers won, and now they face off again on Thursday night. The Clippers are on quite a hot streak of beating the Lakers. Can they keep it up? Well, the way the Lakers have been looking, possibly. But first things first, we always check out the Los Angeles lines available at Bet River Sportsbook. Let's start with the NBA. The Lakers right now 20 to 1 to win the West, 40 to 1 to win the championship. Clippers are 50 to 1 to win the West and 100 to 1 to win the championship. Despite all of their scrappiness, just not a ton of stars on this team. As for NCAA men's college basketball here, Saturday, USC at UCLA. No line for this just yet. Uh, I believe this was, what, one and a half last time in favor of UCLA? Uh, but I think USC blew, blew that right up for them. We'll get into that a little bit later on. UCLA plus 125 right now to win the Pac-12, which this is interesting, right? There's ebbs and flows. There's times to get in on these futures. I'm not a huge futures better, full disclosure. <laughs> so take that for what it's worth. But if you just look at the movement here for this, UCLA to win the Pac-12 championship, at 1.3 to 1, probably, what, three-ish weeks ago, drops down to 25 to 1 after they kind of hit this little losing streak. So you can get UCLA at 25 to 1. Now, leading up to the tournament, one game left on the schedule versus USC, UCLA is plus 125. So we went from 3 to 1 to 25 to 1, now at plus 125. They are 28 to 1 to win the entire NCAA tournament later this month. Uh, as for USC... 
seven to one right now to win the Pac-12. They were thirty-three to one around the time that UCLA was three to one. They went on a little, you know, heater, if you will. They got down to thirteen to one, now seven to one. So the odds even shorter, and they are still ninety to one to win the NCAA tournament. March Madness. As for uh, the NHL. Well, we're not really going to get into hockey today, so look it up if you want on Bet River Sportsbook. You can find all those odds and more on Bet River Sportsbook. So let's get into the Women's Pac-12 tournament. It's also going on in Las Vegas, uh, Wednesday, March 2nd, of course, through Sunday, March 6th. Here's what you need to know. Stanford is the number one seed here. They're also the defending national champs right now. Oregon is the two seed, Washington State three, and Arizona is four. Actually, Arizona faced Stanford in the women's championship last year, lost by one point. And Stanford, frankly, this season has just continued to dominate. They rolled through the Pac-12, a first undefeated conference season for them since 2012. Uh, they're defending national champs, obviously. Uh, and like I said, beat Arizona 54 to 53 just last year. Couple stars on this team, for real. I don't even know where to start, but Haley Jones was named Conference Player of the Year. You may also remember her from last season. She won the Final Four Most Outstanding Player Honors. Um, and she's also second in the conference in rebounding, fifth in assists, and 11th in scoring. So that's the first person you have to get through. Then let's talk about Cameron Brink. Named Pac-12 Women's Basketball Defensive Player of the Year. It's the second straight Stanford player to take that home. She has 11 double-doubles on the season. She's ranked 18th nationally in blocked shots per game. Uh, plus, she also leads the league in rebounding with 8.2 boards per game. She's also second in the league in field goal percentage at 55.7%. She is such a problem for any team that has to face her. Then, of course, there's Lexi Hull. She was named to the all-conference team for the third time and to the all-defensive team for the second. Oh, and by the way, for those of you who are into this kind of thing, like myself, she was also named Pac-12 Scholar Athlete of the Year. So just an all-around superstar for Lexi Hull. Uh, she was a lot of fun to watch in the tournament last year as well. And how fun was it last year, by the way, that two Pac-12 teams were in the championship? Uh, we'll see how many teams actually get into the NCAA tournament. That is still up in the air a little bit. But let's talk about UCLA women's team here. Really, really tough season for them in a lot of ways. I mean... Yeah, everybody had a tough season this year. It's college basketball, and we were still kind of wrapping up COVID and still are in the process of that in some places. So uh, really tough season for UCLA in particular, though, due to injuries. I mean, there was literally a game they had to forfeit, I believe, versus Oregon uh, because they couldn't field a team of six scholarship players or something like that. So this was really brutal for UCLA. They've been in and out of so many games, but they're now a seven seed in this Pac-12 tournament, and they are facing USC, who is a 10 seed, like I said, Wednesday, 6 p.m. Pacific time. So this will be uh, round one here. UCLA, 13-11 and 11 overall, 8-8 eight and eight in Pac-12 play. USC on the other side, 12-15 and 15 overall, 5-12 and 12 in Pac-12 play. Uh, so here's how UCLA got here. Over the weekend, kind of improved their position in this tournament because they beat number 12, Arizona. Not number 12, like not in the Pac-12, like overall, obviously. Uh, but they beat Arizona on Thursday, 64 to 46, which was the first time that this team defeated a top 25 team this season. Then, of course, they go on to beat ASU after that. And that's their first road sweep of the season. Now, that's not what you want to hear at the end of the season. It's the first road sweep of the season. But it's really impressive given the adversity that UCLA's had to face and how they're kind of, what is the, what do the kids say? Getting hot at the right time. 
Um, as for the Pac-12 overall, kind of talked about how we're not really sure how many teams we'll see. And part of that is because um, you could have these rogue teams like UCLA or Oregon State could win it all. And then all of a sudden, maybe we have a seventh team. But right now, Pac-12 has six teams in ESPN's latest projected NCAA tournament for the women, which... Uh, is expanded to 68 teams for the first time. So very exciting, even more games uh, to look at and get some action on because as you may or may not know, most books don't offer women's basketball, college basketball throughout the season. I saw some books in, let's say, faraway places that had a couple big games like UCLA, Arizona, actually. I almost bet it. I almost bet it last week when they beat them and I was going to bet against the Bruins. I think they were like, man, 11, 14, I can't remember, a, a really big double-digit um, dog to Arizona, and they, lo and behold, they turn around and beat him by almost 20. So uh, they definitely are showing up here at the end of the season. But right now, the teams that are projected to be in, Oregon, who UCLA lost to twice in theory because of a forfeit, Colorado, they lost to them twice. Uh, Colorado, by the way, if you're looking for a team that's going to be maybe kind of a surprise or kind of has some good momentum or could be sneaky, uh, sneaky good at least in this Pac-12 tournament. I think it's this Colorado women's team. Um, they've been really solid lately and, again, kind of in UCLA's position where they're kind of getting into a good spot at the right time. Washington State is also going to be in. They're 1-1. One one. UCLA beat this Washington State team. Uh, Stanford, they lost to them twice. Hello. Re-see all of those girls we just talked about that are incredible on Stanford's team. Uh, Arizona, they beat Arizona just last week. So one and one with Arizona and then Utah also looking to be in the NCAA tournament field. Um, but UCLA lost to them as well. So the only teams really of those six that UCLA has a win against is Arizona, which is a formidable one, even though it was kind of at the end of the season here. Um, and then Washington state as well. So Bruins, they've advanced to the NCAA regional semifinals in four of the last five years. Um, but right now, not even among the first or next four out. Like I said, they just struggled all season with depth due to injuries. They're pretty much still regularly using, what, seven or eight players, which makes it very unlikely that they can make a deep run in this or even win the Pac-12 championship, which would keep their NCAA hopes alive. But to what end? To what end? This is just not the season, I don't think. They just don't have the depth for it. But they do have the scoring of Charisma Osborne and the experience and scoring of Amari Thomas. Uh, so these are some Bruins to know if you are interested in this game. Uh, and even if you're not, let's learn something. UCLA's Amari Thomas ranked in the league's top 15 in scoring, rebounding, offensive rebounding, and minutes played. Plus, she's from the Bay Area, Oakland specifically. And you guys know I stand a Bay Area girl because I am one myself. And now here we are in L.A. As for Charisma Osborne, named to her second straight all-conference first team after ranking second in the league with 17.1 points per game, she is one of the lethal shooters in this Pac-12 tournament. She scored in double figures in all but one game this season and finished the regular season as the conference's second leading scorer um, and fourth in three-pointers with 53. She's shooting incredibly well these last two games especially. And I believe head coach for UCLA, Corey Close, even was quoted as saying, we go when Charisma goes. And so a lot on her shoulders here. Um, and again, Amari Thomas has been incredible these last couple games. Now, as far as USC is concerned, who they're seeing in this first round, UCLA beat USC in both regular season games. First, 66 to 43, and then 68 to 58. I think they do it again. I always say it's hard to beat a team three times, but... This is a situation where I think UCLA can sneak past this USC team. 
Uh, but the problem is then the winner will have to face number two, Oregon, on Thursday in the second round. And that is going to be a really tough team for the Bruins to get past, um, especially if their offense is not working, which has been a really critical issue for them lately. Um, of course, outside of those last two games that have been going well for them, um, but leading up to it, that's really been the trouble. So even if they get by the Trojans, they got to face Oregon on Thursday. It's going to be really tough. All of that to say, Stanford, this is their tourney to lose at this point. Like, they should definitely win it. And as we know, or maybe you don't, in women's basketball, there's, you know, a lot less parity. The, the cream of the crop rises to the top. Um, so it does seem like it's Stanford's to lose at this point. So I don't have any, like, tricky bets to make there. But there might be options uh, within games as we kind of go through this tournament or even the NCAA tournament as we get into March Madness. Now let's switch over and talk about the UCLA men's team. They played on Monday. Let's talk about that real quick. UCLA at Washington. Now Ken Palm had UCLA winning this game 76-64. to And my goodness, was he close on that because final score 77 to 66 UCLA. UCLA was a 10 and a half point favorite. So they win, they cover because they won by 11. And the over just hits, I believe 143 is the number there. And the total was 139 and a half. That is unfortunate because I was on the under. I liked the under here. I did think that Washington would shoot a little bit better. Um, and I wasn't expecting UCLA's offense to continue kind of on the improvement that we've seen from them um but they did and lo and behold uh this total goes over so i'm gonna get over that because the good news is ucla goes five and one in their last six games that they played in 12 nights by the way three of them consecutively on the road that is not too shabby i know everyone's real hung up on that oregon loss and i get it um because they got swept by oregon in the season but i think in a game I was going to say that matters, not that that one didn't. But seriously, they went 5-1 and one in six games in 12 nights. Like, if there was going to be a game that they dropped, it was probably going to be in the middle of this pack and the first one on the road. I, yeah, probably. Um, plus, Oregon's shooting is just kind of lethal here. If you remember back or if you were on, if you were on, if you listened to the podcast that I had Tim Murray on, who is a host on VEASAN, I believe he hosts The Nightcap. Um, so that's a good show to catch if you want to check out VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. But we had Tim Murray on here to talk a little college basketball. And this was, what, early February? And he talked about the teams that he kind of liked for the Pac-12 tournament to win it that were not in the top three. At the time, it was, you know, USC and Arizona were pretty much at the top. I think Oregon was the third choice there. And they might have been sitting at 30-1 to 1 when we talked about this. And if you got Oregon at 30-1, to 1, that would have been great, right? Um so that was kind of something that Tim pointed out that at this point in the season now we're seeing like if anybody could kind of upset and wriggle their way in, Oregon now 8-1. to one. So like I said, there are times <laughs> to bet futures and uh, maybe 8-1 to one is now not the time. Um, but it'll be interesting to see kind of how Oregon fares in, you know, in the Pac-12 champ or in the Pac-12 tournament rather. UCLA, Washington, bumpy start to this game on Monday. The Bruins were down by four at the half. But they come back, they outscored the Huskies 52-37 to in the second half while shooting 59.3%. I have not seen this kind of game from the Bruins really, at least in the last month, but this season, where they are down at the half. That's usually not the case. They're usually playing where they're ahead a little bit. And when they are down at the half, yeah, they can come back in the second half with really locked down defense, but not necessarily like shooting the lights out, but shooting almost 60% in the second half. Yes. Give me this kind of UCLA offense all day. 
Uh, Jaime Hawke is huge, huge part of that. He scored a career-high 30 points, 17 of them in the second half, uh, which is incredible to see because he's been dealing with ankle injuries, both ankles, I believe. We've seen him just kind of struggle with that throughout the season. Maybe you haven't, honestly, because if you watch him play, you might not be able to tell. He goes full force all the time, um, dives through balls, runs into stuff, and I'm constantly, as somebody who has ankle problems myself, thank you, cheerleading, I'm constantly like clenching watching him do things that i go oh your poor ankles but he did say that it seems like the pain i think he said has uh slowly lifted or something like that dissipated over the last couple weeks and he hopes to keep him there i don't know how that happens i need to talk to him about how to get rid of my ankle pain but it's good to see that he's feeling better he said it's the best he's felt in weeks he told cronin this before the game and lo and behold career high 30 points so if this is the jaime hawkes jr triple j that we're gonna see in march that is very exciting. Uh, UCLA's largest lead here was 22 points. And of course, that ensures that the UCLA Bruins will know. Yeah, they won't be worse than a number three seed for the Pac-12 tournament, which is also in Las Vegas. All of the fun things are in Las Vegas. I used to be in Las Vegas, but now I'm back in Los Angeles where uh, I'm very happy to be. Uh, but this time of year, Las Vegas for March Madness. So much fun. And maybe I'll make my way out there. I actually don't know. Is that where... Do people go there for March Madness? I feel like you go to like the locations more than specifically Las Vegas. But if you are going to go, definitely check out Circus Sportsbook in downtown Las Vegas. It's incredible. Uh, next, obviously, Saturday, they host USC at Poly Pavilion. And frankly, with the NCAA tournament seating, Selection Sunday, less than two weeks away, wouldn't a win be great? It would be great. Um, most bracket projections right now, having UCLA as a number four seed, uh, but I think Jerry Palm from CBS Sports listed the Bruins as a five seed, which means they would open the tournament in Buffalo, New York, which is, you know, not ideal. That said, a lot on the line here. Um, let's look at how Arizona looked on Tuesday. Arizona played, uh, or excuse me, how USC looked against Arizona on Tuesday. USC was a four and a half point dog here. And I didn't want to bet on this game, but... Uh, because I wanted to just watch it, enjoy it. I ended up betting on it live. Um, and I got USC plus 14 and a half, which was not as high as you could get as it turns out because the, the Trojans lost by 20. Final score 91 to 71. Arizona just gutted them. And that's kind of what I expected to happen here. Um, it was going to be a good test for USC, but we talked about this on the pod on Monday. You don't want to face Arizona after that loss to Colorado. They were not about to lose two games in a row. Um, even Greg Peterson, who also works with VEASAN, uh, may know him as Hoops Peterson. He bets on every single college basketball game, side and total. It's insane. I don't know when he sleeps. He tweeted after that game, uh, that was a statement game for Arizona. Yeah, it absolutely was. Arizona now has six road wins by 20 or more points, which is the most in Division One. So, yeah. Arizona, really scary team right now. And asterisk thing that people forget such a young team and they have Tommy Lloyd of Gonzaga formerly Gonzaga uh, so I call Arizona Gonzaga Jr. right now which is an incredible compliment to them so I don't want to hear any flack from Arizona fans even though you will they find you I don't know how they just find you on Twitter but all that to say Arizona very very good team and going to be scary good for the coming years unfortunately for the rest of the Pac-12 uh, now, when we look at this USC at UCLA game, of course, we'll dive into this more on Friday. We are going to have Mike Regalado on from Bruin Report Online to talk about this game. Mike always has a really sunny, optimistic look to things, and I really like that because in sports, 
get a lot of jaded people, you know? Uh, so Mike's going to come on uh, and talk about USC at UCLA going on on Saturday. Last time they played, USC won the game at the Galen Center, 67-64. to No Isaiah Mobley in that game for USC. So, like, their best player not playing, and they still won. But the fact that this game was only a three-point game was kind of incredible because UCLA shot so horribly. And speaking of bad shooting, actually, the only thing on USC's side that was offensively also an issue, no Isaiah Mobley, but also then Boogie Ellis, that you would say first or second best player for them as well, went 0 of 7 in that game, zero points. So let's hope we can do that again, UCLA. Uh, right now, UCLA is, is the better team, it appears. Uh, at least if you look at Ken Palm, they're eighth on Ken Palm. That's... Up from 10th, actually. Uh, USC, meanwhile, 39th in Ken Palm, 38th in ad offensive adjusted efficiency, and 55th in defensive adjusted efficiency. UCLA, on the other side, top 15 in both categories. 15th in offensive adjusted efficiency and 11th in defensive adjusted efficiency. I love an almost top 10 defense. Love to see that. UCLA, 22-6 and six overall, 14-5 and five in the Pac-12. Uh, USC also, curiously, 14-5 and five in the Pac-12. So that means someone is going to take that second spot. Thank you, Arizona, for beating USC and opening up the door now for UCLA to grab that number two spot in the Pac-12. Uh, UCLA shooting right now, 50.7 effective field goal percentage, 35.5% from three. Uh, USC very much more of an inside team, uh, unless you talk to Drew Peterson, of course, who had a crazy light-up game versus the Trojans last, or versus the Bruins last time. Um, hope I don't see that again. Hoping to see a little regression there. Uh, USC has covered one of their last five games. That's where they're kind of at. And Ken Palm has UCLA winning this game 73-64. to Gives them an 82% chance of winning. So very much seems like this is the Bruins to lose, which makes sense. They're at home. And even on Ken Palm, I believe they have their home court advantage at something like three and a half. Uh, and I hope that that's true. I hope that uh, this is a sellout, that fans come and support this. Um, because I think that that's going to be huge for this UCLA team. I do think that they're going to win this. Ken Palm has them winning by nine. I'd love to see it, but it's a rivalry game. And unfortunately, I just think those end up being fistfights. They end up being really, really close. Um, UCLA obviously looking to end their five-game losing streak against the Trojans. In case you missed it, I think I blocked this out. Like I blocked this out of my memory that this is going on in the UCLA basketball world because they were first for, four to the Final Four last season, and I seem to forget that they can't seem to beat the Trojans under Mick Cronin. They haven't yet. It's really, you know, it's just kind of like a thorn in your side. This is the longest slide, by the way, for them against USC since the 1940s. A five-game losing streak? Like, this hasn't happened since the 40s. Two of those five game uh, of those five games came on shots in the final seconds, seconds, and two of those were at Poly Pavilion. Their last win, by the way, against USC in basketball, 2019, three years ago, and maybe that's why I blacked this out because I black out really a lot of the last two years because it's been absolutely uh, miserable in some regards, uh, but wonderful in others. You know, half half empty, half full kind of thing. So, just don't share your glass. That's that's the main message that we've taken away from these two years. No sharing things anymore. No touching. 
Ben Bolk actually from the LA Times wrote about this game a little bit already, and um, I've asked Ben to come on the show before, but he's not uh, loved to be a talker. Let's just say that. But he's an excellent writer, and from the LA Times, he wrote about how a lot of UCLA's top players haven't even had a win in their time at UCLA versus USC, which makes sense because, again, last one was 2019, three years ago. Only David Singleton, Cody Riley, and Jules Bernard have been on a team that beat USC. That means Jaime Hawkins Jr., Tiger Campbell, 0-5 in the games they played against the Trojans. Jake Kaiman's 0-4. Jalen Clark is 0-3. Johnny Juzang, 0-2. So you got to believe these guys are motivated to finally get this done. The last time they played at the Galen Center in early February, UCLA just shot horribly, right? Tiger Campbell had 27 points. Why is Tiger Campbell your leading scorer? Not that he's not, you know, good, but why? And also, more to the point, why does he have 15 more points than the next highest scorer, which was Johnny Juzang with 12? It was horrible. It was it, That's why it was unbelievable this game was even within three points, really. Um, Drew Peterson for the Trojans, like I said, he lit it up. He was four of five from three. He had 27 points himself. The fact that Tiger Campbell had 27 and Drew Peterson had 27, Tiger had to just work his butt off to get those points because Drew Peterson was just draining threes all night. He did though. Peterson had a rough shooting night versus Arizona. He was asked about it after the game. He said it's not going to let him affect his confidence. He had rough shooting nights leading up to the last game versus the Bruins to the point where I thought, great, if he's not shooting well, then this should go really well for the Bruins. But he decided to pick it up in that game. How much of that was being on his home court? I don't know. Uh, but hopefully his rough shooting nights continue against the Bruins, but it, you know, we saw how it went last time. This is it. Number 17 Bruins versus the number 16 Trojans. Uh, and winner gets the Pac-12 second seed here. Bruins have covered six of their last eight. The two that they didn't was a loss to Oregon and a loss to SC. Again, that loss to Oregon in the mix of a lot of thick games here with not a lot of rest. Uh, and a loss to SC, of course, uh, as the eighth game or eight games ago, rather. The last two games for UCLA went over. Their offense has looked a lot better, a lot, lot better since their last loss to SC. We've talked about it. They've had a really interesting mix of lineups. Jalen Clark has worked his way into that starting lineup, and that's been huge for the Bruins. And his offense has actually been going well, not just his defense, which is usually what he was actually brought in for. Um, so that kind of blossoming has been incredible. Um, they've been getting David Singleton, Jake Kyman, and more who aren't necessarily like big point scorers, but they just really help the ball move a lot better. Um, and of course, Cody Riley getting back in the mix a little bit more. Now, some fans a little bit torn on this because Miles Johnson has been absolutely incredible offensive rebounding blocks uh, for UCLA. So you'd almost like to see a little bit more of him, not as a knock to Cody Riley, but just because Miles has been doing so well. That said... Mick thinks that Cody is the better scorer. He's the more experienced player for this team uh, in that regard. So I understand wanting to kind of throw Cody in the mix more, uh, but Miles has just been so good lately. I'd like to see a lot more Miles and, of course, Jalen Clark. As for the trends on the Trojans' side, four of their last eight games went under. One was a push. So only three overs. The four that went under were against really solid defensive teams like UCLA, Washington State, Arizona, and then like ASU, who like, that's kind of the only thing they had going for them. So it makes me want to look at an under here. Also, rivalry game, could be some jitters, maybe a slow start. 
So I'll probably be looking to an under. We'll have to see what the number is, of course. As always, follow me on Twitter. We'll see. I'll try to post them. I'm so bad about posting them really early, guys, but I'll try to get like 30 minutes before game at the latest. I'd really rather bet the Ruins money line here than anything else. I, as for the spread, these UCLA-USC games just end up being so tight, right? These rivalry games. I'd rather be on the side that's getting points. I'm assuming that will be USC because this is at UCLA. And frankly, because UCLA is the better team statistically. But it'll be interesting because, of course, USC won the last game. But just barely. Isaiah Mobley back in the mix. It'll be interesting. Trojans are going to be hot, too. Like, mad hot. Because they had that embarrassing loss to Arizona. So it's like... Arizona loses to Colorado. They're upset. They take it out on the Trojans. Are the Trojans going to come in and take it out on the Bruins? I hope not. I hope we see a good game. And by that, I mean UCLA winning by 10, just like Ken Palm's predicting. That's what I want to see. Uh, but we'll see. If you're going to take points, it's a rivalry game. I guess look at USC. Coming up, Lakers and Clippers. One team won Tuesday. One team did not. And now they face off again on Thursday. They just played on February 25th. And now they play again on March 3rd. We have to talk about it next on the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Looking for a hot tip to bet on? Check out the new match tips at Bet River Sportsbook. The new tips feature gives you special insights on player props and match bets for the top tips of the day. Go to Bet Rivers before the game, find your match, and tap the tips icon to see independent research on recent team and player performance. Bet with confidence. Visit the Bet Rivers mobile app or go to betrivers.com and get the top tips of the day. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Playable only in states where Bet Rivers is licensed and in New Jersey at Play Sugar House. Welcome back into the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. I'm your host, Danielle Avari. Let's talk NBA in LA. I used to do the A-list, D-list on this show more during NFL season, and I've thought about bringing it back. So if you want to see it, you know, tweet at me, let me know. But I'm glad I don't have to do it now because it's pretty much Lakers on my D-list always. Maybe LeBron kind of works his way into an A-list conversation sometimes. And the Clippers, honestly, just because of their effort that we've seen from them in this season with no stars on their roster, would be on my A-list. That said... Uh, some changes made for the Lakers on Tuesday. They announced the addition of DJ Augustin. Yes, that is another 30-something-year-old for the Lakers. 34, to be exact. So they are at least staying on theme. They also added forward Wenyan Gabriel, who they signed to a two-way contract. So to make room, the Lakers waived DeAndre Jordan, so traded one DJ in for another. Looks like they're emphasizing guard play shooting over that post play, which is... Great, because Augustine kind of brings that shooting in. He's 40.6% from three-point range. And, of course, he can help in the playmaking and secondary units. He's going to be back up to Russell Westbrook at point guard. Hint, hint. I think Vogel is dying to have somebody to put in over Westbrook. And I feel bad for Russell Westbrook, but um, that is the state of affairs, unfortunately. As for Wenyan Gabriel, he's a 6'9 forward. He's played in just seven NBA games this year, but it looks like Vogel's going to want him playing with the Lakers, not with, uh, not with the G League team. So maybe he'll be in the mix. They'll see kind of what they have with him. As for DeAndre Jordan, C'est la vie appeared in 32 games for the Lakers this season. He played 12.8 minutes per performance. And um, I would like to think that his star performance was that pass uh, versus the Pelicans the other night. If you missed it, please check out Twitter. Um, it was just an incredible pass that hit a fan in the face. And just pretty much, I think that fan thought the worst thing that's going to happen to me at this game is that I have to watch the Lakers lose in a horrible fashion, which they were. But it wasn't. A, a ball hit him in the face, so... 
surprises are good. Looks like the Sixers might be picking up DeAndre Jordan uh, as a backup. Let's talk about the Lakers game on Tuesday. They played the Mavs and they were five point dogs. The total was 217 around. It's weird because in game you could get this at like 230 or something at one point. I swear I saw it. Under does cash. Final score 109 to 105. Mavs. If you got Lakers plus five, uh, well, hold up. That's not the final score. Lakers, Mavs. Technical difficulties, guys. Yeah, 109-104. There we go. What did I say? 109-105. 109-104. Okay, now. And you know the reason I can tell that this was wrong is because, like I said, Lakers plus five would have been a push here, but Mavs minus four and a half would have been a cover. So if you got that opening line, then you got a cover here. If you waited, were lazy last minute, like myself, usually when I bet these games, then you got a push if you uh, bet either side at five i because this is the way i like to bet things bet this live i grab laker or mavs minus three and a half in game uh towards the end of the third quarter and i'm so glad i did because like i said five push four and a half cash three and a half was still a sweat but at least it was a win i didn't think i was going to get this opportunity because the mavs were up pretty high on the lakers there was an early kind of spot where I think you could get Mavs plus one and a half that I kind of missed because I was doing other things. I have a life sometimes, but towards the end of this game, like I said, third quarter or so, by the end of the third quarter, the Lakers are kind of making a surge coming back. LeBron was doing incredible LeBron things. And I thought, mm, no, I still think the Mavs are going to cover this because I liked the minus four and a half, which again, it covered. So getting a three and a half, even better situation. I just think I'm greedy sometimes too. It's not always like an impatience thing. Like, oh, I don't want to pick this bet really early. Especially in NBA, because then last minute people aren't playing, etc. But live betting to me has just been the way to go, and I can usually get a better number even than you get pre-flop. New lineup for the Lakers tonight, too. Russell Westbrook, Malik Monk, Stanley Johnson, Austin Reeves, and LeBron James. Eh, nobody's stepping up. Nobody's helping LeBron. You could argue that Russell Westbrook is hurting LeBron. After the game, he said, I just got to be better overall. What I'm doing right now, it ain't good enough. Very astute, very accurate. I think that the Lakers fans would say, yes, please be better overall. Let's do that. He went 5 of 17 and missed all four of his three-point attempts, but he played 38 minutes with no turnovers. So yay. But do we see how low the bar is right now for Russell Westbrook? It's too low. Yeah. LeBron, meanwhile, said, I ride or die with the Lakers faithful. If they boo, I'm with them. If they cheer, I'm with them. Because they did boo them the other night versus the Pelicans. Yeah. I mean, they're definitely booing for a, a right reason right now. So I'm glad that he's on board with that. He also said, until you bury me 12 feet under, I think it's six, but maybe because he's like much larger human that we got to go 12 just like for zombie problems. Until you bury me 12 feet under, I got a chance. That's my confidence. As long as we got more games to play, we still have a chance. I hate losing. I feel like poop right now, but tomorrow's a new day, and I'm going to be prepared for the Clippers on Thursday. So one of the things that we talked about when JVT, Jonathan Von Tobel, was on the pod before the last Lakers-Clippers game, actually, he said, I don't know what LeBron's motivation level is on a game-to-game -game basis, and that was coming out of the All-Star break when LeBron kind of brought up, oh, maybe I'll go back to Cleveland, said things like that. So that was kind of the part of the handicap that goes, there's teams in the NBA that we know that they're going to show up every night. The Clippers have been showing up and grinding it out, these role players, right? 
but the Lakers are not that team sometimes. And I really, when I'm betting on them, I'm betting on LeBron to do it, not Austin Reeves or Malik Monk. And Anthony Davis is out for several weeks, so can't include him in the mix. Uh, so really, it all comes down to LeBron for me, unfortunately. But basketball, fortunately, though a team sport, not as much like the NFL. You can depend on one guy a little bit more, especially if that guy is LeBron James. It sounds like he's locked in. The Lakers right now have won just three out of their past 11 games. They sit ninth overall in the Western Conference standings, 27-34 and 34 record, well below 500. Pelicans and Trailblazers behind them in the 10 and 11 spot, both with a record of 25 and 36. Now the Clippers, who they're facing, the Lakers are facing on Thursday, just played the Rockets for the third time in 12 days. They win for the third time. It is against the Rockets, so not all that, that exciting. They did hold them to 99 points per 100 possessions, which I thought was great. Final score, 113 to 100. Clippers cover as seven-point favorites. Total goes under 227.5. There's that signature Clippers defense, plus these teams have played a bunch, plus on kind of light rest. So now, Lakers-Clippers again, part three of this season, Thursday night. Clippers are on the upswing, right? Lakers seem like they're in a skid, but I do think that LeBron is not going to want to lose to this team for a third time. This is the same team, Lakers versus the Mavs. They erased a 21-point deficit in just about 12 minutes, right? 22-7 and seven run out of halftime, pulled even with the Mavs. Yes, they went on to lose the game, but one of their better efforts as of late, at least. They're 0-3 since the All-Star break, and they've lost 15 of 21 to slide to a season-worst seven games below 500. So as far as things are concerned as of late, a better effort from them? Are we going to see that again? Uh, they first played the Clippers on February 3rd. The Clippers won, but only by one, 111 to 110. Then Evolution, they play, what, 22 days later on February 25th. The Clippers win by three, 105 to 102. Even lower scoring game, but a little bit more of a margin of victory for the Clippers. That was the Clippers' sixth consecutive victory over the Lakers. It was also Carmelo Anthony's first game back after missing a couple weeks with a hamstring injury. He went four of nine from three. He had 18 points. I think that he's going to have to be big in this game again. Westbrook in that game, 9 of 21 for 18 points. However you get it done, I guess. And LeBron, 6 of 18 and 2 of 8 from 3 for 20 points. So I don't expect to see him go 2 of 8 again. I expect him to bounce back here. He had, like I said, what, 20 points in this game? 25, I believe, versus the Mavs. I don't know. This Clippers defense has been playing really well, and they know that they have to pay attention to LeBron James. I don't play a lot of player props. Austin Reeves being in the starting lineup, I don't know. He had less, what, he had two, three points in this game. So I don't know if he's going to have a points prop available. If he does, maybe an under here. Malik Monk under two for me um, is possible. If anything that might be interesting, I'll have to look this up. But Ivica Zubak on the Clippers for a double-double could be interesting. He's had one in four of his last six games. I think we see a tight game here, similar to that UCLA-USC game. Lots of LA action going on this week. LeBron seems motivated for the moment, which is always a huge factor when you're betting the Lakers right now, if not the only one for me. Uh, Clippers were one-and-a-half-point dogs last time. It got up to three. Clippers, minus, or Clippers plus three before tip-off because they announced Carmelo was playing, I'm guessing is why that moved. The Clippers have to be favored this time, right? But then you have LeBron James on the opposing team, so I don't know. It's very hard to beat a team three times, but this is a team that is slipping. It's got LeBron James, in case you missed it. We've been saying that about 20 times in this segment. 
Um, but LeBron versus a team of really hard workers, but no superstars. I'm going to look to bet this live. You know, that's what I like to do. I do what you will. I'm not going to give you uh, what you should do either, but I'm going to be looking to bet this live, see if I can get the Clippers down, maybe get them some plus points. Or maybe, depending on how it's looking, depending on how LeBron's looking, usually I'm looking around the third quarter because that's when he likes to make his appearance. Or if it's a close game, he'll kind of hammer it in in the fourth. Maybe a Lakers live money line late if it looks like it's close and LeBron's locked in. I don't know. We'll have to see how the flow of the game goes. But I, I lean Clippers again in this game, just like last week. Uh, total last time was 221.5. It went under. The first total for the February 3rd game was 219. It went over by two. So almost an under. Um, and the last three Lakers game, but almost is not a win. Last three Lakers games have gone under. And the last three Clippers games have also gone under. The Clippers have covered six of their last seven games, and the Lakers have covered two of their last seven. Those are the trends. Let's see if they continue. Thank you so much for listening to the Los Angeles CityCast. Remember, new shows three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. That means I'll be back on Friday before the UCLA-USC game to talk all about it. Uh, so come on back for more of the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.